Good morning. Good morning, coffee moaners. If you're listening on podcast, good morning. Just uh, do that. Um, oh, the news, the news, the news, the news. We started with such sort of hilarity and silliness yesterday, didn't we, guys? And um, it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel apt or right today. But let's do some good mornings. If you're listening on podcast, welcome. Some of the names you're going to hear now are some of our lovely uh, followers, family guests, subscribers, silent subs sometimes, uh, who are commenting on our live feed on, on YouTube. So good morning, everyone. Um, hi, Raspberry Mojita Girl, Edward Bevington, Sean Tucker, Bev Hartnell. Good morning. <clears throat> Obviously, it's, oh, it's just uh, watching the news last night, guys. Just give us, if you had to use a word to describe what you're feeling as you see the images of what's coming out of Israel and Palestine, what, what, what word would you use? I just, I, I don't know, I just, I just, you know, hopelessness. I just feel such hopelessness. Bell X says, upsetting. Morning, heartbreaking, Sarah Rubington. Um, it's hideous, isn't it? It's hideous. Um, obviously, we're gonna, we are gonna dig into it a little bit. I think it's distraught. Miriam W says distraught. Yeah, I think I think that's yeah. Barry Mc, Beryl McNally, very sad. We're also in this really horrific Elaine flu. We're in this horrific situation where, interestingly, like uh, I was talking to someone who wanted to post, uh, uh, it was it was a, a, a footage of uh, a Palestinian boy in clear distress, asking why why we're we living here, and when someone asked, should I post this? I was like, well, we're in a situation now where if you post anything, and it's considered to be on one side. Going back to this thing, which we've talked about a lot on this on this channel, by dint of posting one thing, you will be pulled down for not having posted something else. Do you see what I mean? It's like it's like you can't feel something for a moment for one side more than the other without someone tearing you down as being unbalanced and yet the irony is we live in a we live in a climate where there's about as much balance as a as a well i don't know someone falling off a tripwire i don't know i mean do you know what i mean everyone wants everyone's sort of got such a strong opinion and then suddenly at a moment like this there's a sort of screaming out for balance it's that sort of sort of slight passive aggressivity i think um miriam w i know people who personally who are affected directly by the palestinian atrocities so what is the news? So the news is that late last night or last night a, or yesterday, a hospital was um, struck uh, or was impacted with an explosion. And, you know, the news story this morning is obviously uh, the blame game that has erupted around this uh, event, this tragedy uh, with Hamas and uh, many Palestinian health organizations um, claiming that um, an Israeli uh, bomb or missile hit the hospital, that it was targeted, and Israel have counterattacked with, uh, this was a failed or misfired rocket from, um, you know, Islamic Jihad or, you know, an aspect of the Hamas Palestinian resistance. Um, now, 
it's really hard, isn't it? It's really hard when you're seeing imagery that generates an automatic human response. When you see piles of bodies, when you see, um, you know, distress and you see uh, just total bedlam. Um, Catherine Cronin says, the horrific thing is both scenarios are plausible. Now, there's a, there's a phrase called the fog of war. Yeah, Benjamin Netanyahu is, is welcoming Biden. There's, there's a phrase called the fog of war. Sharifa Beldi, the Israelis won the hospital. We, we're, gonna get, we're gonna get into this now. There's something called the fog of war. And I think something that's really important to remember is, and of course the Israeli Defense Force have done a, a press conference claiming it, you know, stating with their own evidence, alleged evidence that it wasn't them, that it, that, that it couldn't have been them, and in no way, shape or form was it them. And they invite journalists to go to, to look. But of course, the problem here, and let's start with this first problem, which is one of the first problems, is there are no journalists there, certainly not in this, this specific area. In fact, I don't think there are many Western journalists at all in the, uh, in, 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 in the West, in Gaza. So we can't verify, we can't confirm anything. But what we do know is that Israel is bombarding Palestine. Um, so claim and counterclaim, claim and counterclaim, you know, really no one is going to get an answer on this. Um, ironically, Russia um, has asked for uh, Israel to release satellite imagery. Here's something I don't understand and here's something I wonder whether, you know, with the kind of so-called brains that all of these states have, though then one begins to get into all sorts of conspiracy theories. Why is there not a system whereby we have military satellite technology that in the event of any conflict, the, this satellite sort of material could be, you know, why hasn't the West popped a satellite over this conflict immediately so that we can, when things like this happen, get to the bottom of it? Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's like, why, why is there even any doubt so let's just talk about some of the other things that we do know. Um, on social media last night, um, a number of or a couple of Israeli journalistic spokespeople closely aligned to the government on social media platforms such as X posted that they had struck the hospital, an admission that they'd struck the hospital. Now, it's that strange thing. It's that strange thing, isn't it? where um, trying to cover up a lie reveals a lie. And so what then happened was that these messages were then rapidly removed from social media. In fact, I'm corresponding on, on Instagram direct messages with someone who removed one of their statements in Israel. Um, we're having a sort of terse conversation as I'm asking, you know, well, why, why did you remove it? Why is it not up if that was what the state of, state of play was? So... So you've got that. Um, you've also got the fact that um, the alleged uh, videos or films that were revealed to prove that it wasn't an Israeli strike that were released, I think, by the IDF. I think it was the Israeli Defence Force released this. The time code on the films didn't correspond with the time of the strike. So what you have here is essentially uh, a sort of 
Prior to knowing how, how sort of damaging or severe this, this impact was, you had an admission of a strike removed. And subsequent to that, there have been foot, there's been footage released, which has subsequently been shown to be fraudulent. Now, read into, I'm not going to say what you should read into that, just read into that what you will, because of course, that can still, think, think, think of it in terms of like, a, I'm trying to think of the time I broke a snooker cue over Stuart's back because he wanted my granddad to die. Believe me, there's a, there's a reason for this. And I broke the snooker cue and I stood it up in the, um, in, the, in the cupboard and pretended I hadn't broken it. And then I had to sort of confess, and I lied and I lied. And then eventually I confessed to my teacher that I'd done it. And when he asked me why I'd done it, he said, well, okay, well, I'd have broken the snooker cue. No, I'm joking. But... The point is, is that just because they fraudulent information has, has landed and because that fraudulent information has then been covered up, you could argue if you're wanting to be favorable, uh, it was it was frantic. It was panic. It was stress induced. It was like it doesn't necessarily automatically infer guilt, but it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. So I think before we go down this this rabbit hole and of it must be a self-strike by the Palestinians, um, you know, let, let some proper, proper um, neutral observers go in there. Oh, but of course they can't because the entire area is a war zone. And so this is where you then start to ask questions about, um, you know, neutrality um, and, and, and the veracity of, of news. Now, obviously Nadia's dad is from the Middle East, Jordan, Jordan was part of the equation last night. Now, I can't even begin to explain to you how, Jordan, how significant, how massively significant we know as a family it is that King Abdullah actually, actually said or cancelled the meeting with Biden. I cannot even begin to tell you how significant that is. It's unheard of. It's absolutely unheard of. Jordan always plays a very sort of diplomatic balancing act. It tries to be friends with everyone. It, 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 Jordan had, when we were there last, we drove past one of the largest refugee camps in the world. Jordan is home to more Palestinians than um, Gaza. Uh, I think I think one of the refugee camps, I think there's something like three to three and a half to four million refugees Jordan uh, looks after due to, and this is something, this is interesting, due to, due to the occupation, the occupy, you know, due to the conflict. Now, you're right, Lee, Jordan does seem to sit on the fence an awful lot. And that's why this is significant. They didn't. They, they essentially said to Biden, Go away. No, we're not going to talk to you. We don't want to talk to you. Neither does the Palestinian authorities and neither does Egypt. And that's massive. So, in, in you know, when you're looking for, you know, when you have those, what do they say, call it when you go down to the mines? You have the sort of canary moment. And as soon as the canary sort of dies, you're like, shit, right, we're, we're in trouble. You know, the King of Jordan putting his foot down or, or showing any opinion of this strength is massive, massive news. Jordan is exactly like Switzerland in the Middle East. They try to play an incredibly, and you could argue they sit on the fence. Well, they maybe sit on the fence, but they're also actually mopping up an enormous mess and soaking up and trying to manage an enormous mess 
admittedly without solving the, the, the cause of the problem. So, you know, scenes in Amman, the capital of Jordan last night, I think it was something like 20,000 protesters. This is very rare in Jordan, you don't see that. So of course, of course, you know, part of it, the Jordan's, uh, Jordan's king's hand will have been somewhat forced because a huge part of his population is Palestinian. And that, I think, gives you a small indication of how flinty and, you know, flammable the situation is there if even, you know, the most benign of states is kind of saying things like that, saying things like this. So, you know, forget talking about Iran or Syria or, you know, Hezbollah in Lebanon. I mean, you, you even got, you've even got Jordan kind of going, nah, you know what, mate, no, don't, don't want to see you, Biden. Um, what I hope doesn't happen, and I think we have to get to the, I, th I hope that a truly neutral assessment is made. Because put it this way, if, oh, I, I, can I just also say, I heard a commentator, I think it was a Conservative MP on the radio saying, look, the Israeli Defence Force is a nationally uniformed armed force, as if this somehow makes them immune from committing any atrocities whatsoever. Let me draw your attention to another uniformed national army, the Russian National Army, just because you're uniformed, I mean, we, there are many cases of atrocities committed by our troops in Afghanistan. You can't just, you can't just say because you've got uniform. This, otherwise, we're, otherwise, we're in bloody play school. You've got a uniform on, you can't die. I mean, it is an absolute palpable nonsense if we start to use the phrase a uniformed army because they're in uniform. I mean, come on, come on. And unfortunately, there is precedent and there is history and there is, there are, there is proof that, you know, Israel, if not intentionally, have struck, you know, places like hospitals or schools. Now, of course, there is also the counter-accusation that, of course, Hamas park their, their soldiers and their, and their, and their people, uh, you know, their, their, their militants, their terrorists amongst the population. And therein lies the problem. I mean, here's the other thing as well. I hope when Biden gets off the plane and doesn't walk into a flagpole or doesn't fall down a fucking manhole or doesn't stumble into a... I mean, good God, we are sending a bibbling, babbling fool. And I'm sorry, that's what he is. I don't care. This He should not... And out of care for him and the elderly, he should not be in this responsible situation. But as he hopefully hits his target of the sliding doors into the arrivals of the airport in Tel Aviv. Let, let's, let's hope so. Let's hope he doesn't smack into a wall. But once he's got through that, hopefully his nuanced ability to, to, to kind of, you know, be a diplomat in that situation, let's just hope all of his, the rest of his team kick in. Hopefully they're not just gonna get in there and try and make this good. I've got this slight fear. This is my fear. You know that moment in Pulp Fiction where Harvey Keitel walks in? I think, I can't remember which character. Has, has Samuel L. Jackson blown someone's brains out? They've gone all over the room. And is he called Mr. Fix-It? Someone will know, film fan here. Mr. Clean-It, Mr. Mop-It, or whatever it is, you know. He comes in with a bag and he's there to kind of clear. I really hope that what's not happening, and I don't think this could happen to you, that the Americans are getting in there to, Mr. Wolf, thank you, to, to sort of mop this up, the fixer to mop this up and make good, if indeed it is an Israeli strike. Now, the point is, we have no way of knowing. No one has any way of knowing for sure. But it strikes me as odd um, that an entire area under bombardment 
um, it seems, to, is it not a bit of a coincidence that perhaps one of those bombs that that, that, that area has been bombarded with would hit? Now, there's lots of debates about the size of the bomb, the size of the explosion, the size of the craters. The IDF have come out today. They've done a press conference trying to illustrate that. And again, you know, we have to, we have to sort of just wait. But wait, the problem here is, is wait for what? And I use this, I use this analogy about there was a, there was a, there was a sort of cover up of. Well, there was the allegation of a cover-up of a massive kind of sex ring, wasn't there, in, in Westminster. My thing about cover-ups, James O'Brien was very good on it on LBC. My thing about cover-ups cover is when they say there's no evidence of a cover-up, sometimes no one's ever kind of stopped to think, well, maybe that's because the cover-up was so successful. There's no evidence of a cover-up. So who and how, and this is a question for you guys, because I haven't got an answer, who and how could we in any way, shape or form genuinely get an objective assessment of this impact site? I do seem to remember in the past something called the United Nations, no? Blue helmets, go in, don't have an agenda. Is that right? Do you know what I mean? What do you think? Uh, Natasha Milchin, I feel heartbroken seeing the world turn against Israel, seeing what's happening here. Reminds me of collective punishment in Russia and I've been caught up in both. There you go. I think the uh, Catherine Cronin, a commentator on BBC last night, priest working, claimed that hospital had already been struck last Saturday when there were five thousand people sheltered there. Yeah, the, I mean the head of the the head of the hospital also said that he was called by Israeli uh, officers and and was warned to um, to step out. I mean, it's a genuine question because when you have a potential war crime like this, you don't just stand up as the Israeli Defence Force and say we did. I mean, look. The, the, to be fair, the Israeli Defence Force. Uh, guy has said Hamas jumped to too quick an assessment but like in the same way you could argue so too have Israel so you know by the by the same sort of standard um, you know you can you can hold each side to the same standard um, there is footage here I'm looking at footage here of Biden he, he just about manages he's hugging I've got an image here of him hugging Netanyahu he clearly doesn't know what an ear is because he's sort of looking at his ear like good god what is this I mean one, I think Matt Fry, is it? I think he's a reporter. He made a really interesting point. The irony or the dark irony of the situation that, it, you know, let's look at this potentially positively. Out of this moment, this could be the moment where at the very least America has some leverage or purchase to gain some kind of humanitarian aid or a corridor into, um, into, in, into Gaza because <clears throat> because, um, you know, the the humanitarian sort of entry point, Rafa, you know, that's been bombed. They can't get an agreement there. So you never know. You never know. This, because I, I was thinking, what will he be thinking on that plane? Well, he, he won't be thinking a lot, but what would everyone else in the other rooms of his kind of private, you know, on his flight, what would they be thinking? Uh, and they'll be thinking, okay, well, in a weird way, this is the moment where we can apply a little bit more pressure and say, look, you know, you're allowed to defend yourself, Israel, but you've got to allow humanitarian aid to get in. Catherine Cronin, all the while, one of the youngest, most disenfranchised populations in the world is caught in the middle. Ooh. I mean, he's probably hanging on for dear life, but Lee Durant, Biden is a hindrance, not a help. Um, Spinner's end. I'm American and everyone always seems to blame us no matter what. Well, look, 
I'm an, look, look, I'm a huge Americanophile, is that what you call them? Someone who loves America. I mean, I, I, I find so much wondrously wonderful about America. But I do find their, I do find America's foreign policy perverse, if I'm honest. Uh, completely perverse, uh, just bizarre. It, it just, foreign policy for America, I mean, you know, isolationism has, has been a massive part of American foreign policy for years. And sometimes it just, I don't know, I just, you know, there's a sort of, the element of surprise here is, is I mean, the element of surprise in all of this crisis is, 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 is ridiculous. Um, bonkers 79, I really don't understand why it's happened in Israel. Um, there's an enormous, enormous reservoir of information to, to, to look into, um, if, you, if you wish to find out why um, uh, it's happened in Israel. Um, um, <clears throat> excuse me. You only ever know what cover-ups when they go wrong. Um, Israel isn't America's fault, it's the British and Europeans' fault to begin with. People need to go and read up on the trip. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and subsequent to the creation of Israel, we have had, a, I think, an American approach to things which has been incredibly ineffective. Ineffective, massively ineffective. Um, and I'd say spineless. I mean, I think... The only thing you can get out of this crisis now is an absolute sort of thumping of heads together. I mean, you know, protests are going off everywhere. You know, uh, the West Bank is kicking off. As I said, protests in Jordan, Amman. You know, you know what, what can happen here is if, if the appetite for a sort of Arab Spring of sorts tips over far enough, um, then we're in all sorts of trouble. You know, for, for again, it, it's a, it's a huge moment for um for the for the King of Jordan to say this is a this is a tipping point. This is an egregious assault. This is this is just awful. Hannah Lieb shoots. I agree, Miriam. UK had a mandate in Palestine, and the Balfour Declaration was one of the causes of the conflict. The UK is not the UK is not cleaning this whatsoever. I mean, the way I've said all along, the West has been responsible for this. I want to ask a curious question, and this, it's not a leading question, but it's a genuine question. What, and I don't know the answer to this, I can't think of any other religion or sort of faith, if you like, that has specifically had its own um, state sort of given to it. What I mean by that is like you get Christians who live all over the world, you get Buddhists who live all over the world, Catholics who live all over the world, Protestants, there's Jewish culture, you know, America, mass, you know, Jewish, Jewish cultures and societies and even, you know, there are other sort of aspects of Jewish culture. For example, there's a whole um, Jewish community in North London or over in London and around the world that doesn't believe in the creation of the Israeli state. So, you know, um, it, you know, so I suppose it's, it's kind of, I mean, was it, was it, was it mainly as a consequence of a sort of reparations, if you like, for, for the atrocities of World War II. Um, because, I mean, I always remember Philip Roth, uh, who was a Jewish author, Philip Roth, American author, he said something along the lines of, he, he, and he was very critical of the Israeli government, not of Israel. But his take on it was, I don't understand all this talk about a Jewish state. We have a Jewish state in, in America. We, you know, he felt very safe and very at home and very, sort of valued and, um, ah, Ria, thank you, because Zionism and Judaism are two different things. Ah, you see, this is, this is where it gets interesting. This is where it gets really complicated. Um, but again, you know, so the, so 
I think, you know, what lots of, I think what one of the main problems here is the sense of an, although all faiths have a call upon this land, and that's the complication, all faiths have some call upon this holy land. And isn't it sad, a sad indictment of a holy land where you would think of peace and love and all of this, that such conflict can emerge. It's the creation of nationhood, isn't it? It's the creation of nationhood that's incredibly, um, is, 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 the, is where the kind of hostility arises. Because, again, and look, this isn't to say that culturally and historically, just as black communities have been prejudiced against and still are, um, so too have Jewish communities, so too have Muslim communities, so too in the UK, not until that long ago, Irish communities. You know, prejudice has happened everywhere and that's a, that's a global problem. problem. Miriam W. Muslims, Jewish and Christians used to live there in peace before 1947 happened. What's happened here is it's the enforcement of a border and it's the enforcement of land that has caused not only problems for the Palestinians, but is what causes problems for Israel. It's the sense of a, an artificiality uh, to the creation of the state, I think. I, I'm just positing all these thoughts. What do you think? I mean, I'm just wondering, is this, is this not... The problem, I mean, obviously, friendly pop, absolutely. But I mean, there's always conflicts between cultures. There's always conflicts between tribes. There's always conflicts between faiths. I mean, that's unfortunately history. I mean, look, look at look at Ireland. I mean, we, you know, we all have evidence of that. But you know, I just find it's just a curious one, isn't it? Because I'm just thinking. I was just thinking the other. I think someone said on the radio something along the lines of, you know, that is there another example of that where you know, would you create a nation? say, I'm just saying, for just black people? Or would you create a nation just for Catholics? Just, like, create it? You would meet resistance when you, wherever you placed it, from whoever else was there, I guess. It's just... Oh, the partition of India. Very good point, Aaron Bulamar. Um, uh, made, a, made a separate Hindu, India, and Muslim Pakistan state. We caused that too, and that's not going well for them either. Oh, dear. Oh, Shannon, I'm so pleased you got your card. I'm so pleased. Um, Anne Lilling, Illing, is it not possible to have a coalition of nations? You would hope so, wouldn't you? You would think so. You would think, you would think, you would just think that there would be a desire for peace of some form. Doesn't Rome serve as like a Catholic area? It does, but it's not enforced, is it? If you weren't Catholic, you know, it's not like, it's not like, uh, it's not like, um, militarily defended, is it? Or enforced? I suppose, that's my, I suppose that's my point. Okay, I mean, you know, the disinformation, the lack of information, the fog of war is such a good phrase, the fog of war. And what we have in this modern era is the fog of propaganda. And what I hate to say is I also think with tech and AI and everything else, I'm, you know, if... If you're Palestinian, you are not going to believe whatever evidence, if it is evidence and trustworthy evidence, is, is thrown at you about this hospital strike. I think it's telling and interesting that a number of papers are only reporting the idea that somehow by the Israeli Defence Force denying it, that's, that's it. That's it solved. That's the end of the story. It, it can't be. Send the, my, my line on this, send the United... Literally, send, send the United Nations into that area now. Have a ceasefire and send in UN observers to investigate the site now. Because, you know, whichever way this has happened would be a massive turning point in the war. If, 
it was discovered that it was, if you like, a self-hit or friendly fire of some form on themselves. When I say friendly fire, I don't mean, you know, if, if, if we discovered that, that could be, a, it'd be as massively important to Israel to let the UN in to resolve that and stop an entire regional, um, you know, uh, conflagration. So, you know, it's in everyone's interest, really, to let the UN in and examine. And of course they won't do that. Why would they do that? So who's hiding what? Who's, who's hiding what? What they're hiding, what, what's being hidden here is the horror of aggression. I think a ceasefire has to happen right now. I, I don't understand what, I don't understand what else there is to bomb. And also the other thing that I wanted to quickly say is Biden was munching on Netanyahu's ear there in, in his hug. They have to be thinking, okay, say you remove Hamas, do you, move, do you remove resentment, resistance, and a sense of persecution? No. So you're going to get Hamas in a different colour. It's such short-termism. It's such short-termism. They've got to be thinking beyond this. You know what? Why don't they? Here's a thought. Why don't they just try? Radical thought. Why don't they just try a month of monitored by a United Nations peacekeeping force with the Israelis and with, say, the Palestinian authorities, an open border scenario for a month. Why don't we do a test run once we get out of this and just see if it reduces and removes the sense for the Palestinians of being hemmed in and controlled? Why don't we have little test runs on certain border areas where, a more, where there's a gesture of freedom of movement? There must be a way. There must be some negotiated way of kind of offering. You, if you don't offer the Palestinians something out of this, you are going to make the problem worse. And yet you might come out of it going, we've removed Hamas. You might win the battle, but you won't win the war. Oh, it's entirely frustrating. Other news, quickly, before I head off. Um, nitrous oxide. Uh, laughing gas possession is about to be made illegal in three weeks. Only thing I think about this is, are they really going to arrest anyone using it? I mean, every bus stop in London has thousands of these little whippets. These little canisters. Sorry, Natasha Milton, you've been saying that a few times. Sirens going off all day, every day here with people like me, given a minute to run and hide with our children. Some of us having nowhere to hide. Please try not to forget us on all of this. Absolutely. This, look. This is, as I, as I said, Natasha, we have every, every support and so many Israelis are against this and so many Israeli civilians are caught in exactly the same crossfire. The crossfire from both sides is just horrendous. And, and, and it's really hard for anyone who's caught in this on one side or the other to be told, I mean, if you were in, with your family desperate, to then be told, my question, architect fire exactly. Why did the Israeli Defence Force delete, delete the first Twitter post? And it's important those questions don't get stopped, don't, are not asked or are asked. You mustn't stop asking those questions. Why was all this information suddenly removed quickly? And of course, that's, that's unpalatable for most mainstream media. They don't want to play that. And that's the problem. Look at the way the media is covering this. It's really hard. For balance, I would go to, yes, yeah, see, look at the Times, the Telegraph, look at the Guardian and go to Al Jazeera for balance, for all four, so that you get a more holistic sense. It's not complete, but a more holistic sense of, of, of what's going on. Um, but no, no, Natasha, absolutely, absolutely. You know, there are as many Israelis that want to live in peace alongside their fellow Palestinians. 
um, as there are Palestinians who want to live alongside Israel. But it, and it's very easy for someone to just say, oh, for God's sake, you know, take responsibility and do this and do that and do the other. It's, you know, of course, when you're in the, when you're in it and of it and it's happening to you, you know, of course, you feel desperate. You feel desperate. Sending you, look, sending you so much love, Natasha. We feel, really feel for you and we're so sorry. It's, it's, it is, it's just tragic, it's tragic. Uh, so as I say, yeah, in other news, in other news, nitrous oxide seems a bit, but laughing gas. I think the one thing I actually, I think most people want right now. I'm not encouraging it. It's illegal in three weeks. Is laughing gas to to laugh? My God. Um, and uh, yeah, but I mean, pretty much all the news flow, all the news flow is around this, and we, we haven't heard the end of it. And it's going to be just. Uh, let's just hope that Biden has something in his pocket. Let's just hope Biden has something in his pocket other than. I don't know, probably a chew for his dog that's probably right now savaging someone else in the White House. I mean, if South Park was to try and personify the American president, he's funnier than South Park, unfortunately, for all the wrong reasons. Um, so there we go. Um, oh, so there we go. What else have we got? Laughing has to be made illegal. Uh, da -da -da -da. Um, and, and that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Um, apart from Storm Babbitt, which uh, doesn't sound like it's got much in it. Okay, guys, have a lovely day. Something will land on the channel later. Um, go and check out Green Figured Hell if you fancy a chuckle. And uh, 